Hey there, welcome to the show. Well, you know what? Happy Canada Day. Um, yeah, I know I'm a day late, but um, I just want to make sure everybody's having an enjoyable weekend. You know, it's amazing. Here we are, we're beginning of July, and so much to talk about. You know, June finished off in an interesting manner, all sorts of things. We're going to go political, we're going to go government, you know, and a little bit later in the hour, as you've heard me here talking on the show, I've been mentioning that I want to start interviewing professional realtors, uh, people that do this stuff full time. And um, you know what? So I did throw out the, the challenge. All you have to do is follow me on Instagram, the Simple Investor One, DM us, and you know, just tell us that you'd be interested in joining me here in studio so we can talk about you, what you do, you know, what makes you a professional agent. Definitely if you're part-time, you're not. And then from there, um, you know, we try to get the best people we can in just to have a good chat about our favorite topic here on the show. And that is real estate. Um, so I do have, uh, you know, Leslie Brolick. She is going to be joining me a little bit later in the hour. And uh, Leslie is from Remax Hallmark and she does work in the Etobicoke area. But, you know, one of the most important things for me to be able to do this show and be able to run the simple podcast to make sure that we get everybody up to date on what's happening in the real world is me having my consistent panel that's always joining me. Um, and one of those people I'm really fortunate to have uh, on the panel with me today, hanging out with me. And she's actually, uh, because we're going to be missing one of our panelists throughout the summer, we're going to be having Bryn Lackey. She's going to be joining me for the Real Estate Talk Triangle coming up uh, later in the month of July. And Bryn, welcome back to the show. Thank you very much. You know, just to, for clarity, um, Bryn uh, writes some incredible articles for the Toronto Sun as well. She is a uh, realtor at Chestnut Park. So um Bryn you know what um you haven't been in the studio for probably about a month I think or so mm -hmm. and a lot of stuff going on especially this past week you know what I'm going to dive into one of the hot topics and you know again I want to just make sure I give this disclosure everything I'm about to say or do has no reflection uh -huh. on Bryn um but come on people really did you really want to elect the person that you elected for mayor of Toronto after she's threatening, and I say threatening, what she's going to do to property taxes and to real estate. I mean, come on. Like, was 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 this really the best we could do? You know, one of the things I think, Bryn, is that uh, when we talk about, you know, elections, I, I think you, you can't throw that many candidates. I think this waters everything down. So really your end result is... I don't know. You know what? Uh, again, we'll, I, I guess we have to wait and see, but I think there's going to be some really disappointed business owners, homeowners with the decision of the election of uh, Olivia Chow. Um, yes. I think there will be a lot of people with a lot of opinions about it, but the thing that's, you know, still sticks out for me is it was 30% of the population that voted. Um, so of the eligible voters, I think last I read, it was just 30%. And of that, we have about 50%, maybe, who will, you know, will be... I think she yeah. went up with 32% of, of the vote. Of the vote. So I'm just saying, even if we're just being really generous and saying that it really came down to, you know, we had the list of 175 people and that gong man, <laughs> you know, um, demanding his recount. Even if we're being charitable and we say it's 50%. Yeah. That's, you know, 15% of a city. Yeah. I would not call that a mandate, which is what I'm hearing sort of bandied about is, you know, now we have a clear mandate from the voters in the city of Toronto. 
I don't think that's what this is. I think we have a lot of people who stayed home. Um, so I think we're going to have a lot of opinions from some of those people. And uh, I'm hoping that this, the ones who are really frustrated by this, they realize that, you know, we're looking at 2026. It's time to get ready. I'm not sure why we have 102 people on a ballot. Some with, I think there was a Sanders and a Saunders. I think there were a lot of, there were a lot of things to do with this that were a bit head scratching. Um, in terms of what happens from here, and maybe I'm um, trying to be, you know, cautiously optimistic. I'll be surprised if it goes. I think there are a lot of people who sort of really enthusiastically voted for Olivia Chow that are expecting big moves quickly. I don't see how that happens. I think we're going to see a lot of um, messaging around big moves, but I actually think we're probably going to see a lot of sort of center positions because there is no clear mandate. And to me, I think we're already looking at the next election. Yeah, you know, you mentioned about percentages and, you know, one of the things I think as Canadians um, that's a little bit shameful is that most people don't vote. You know, we we have a federal government in place. Um, again, not many people voted. You know, provincial, I think, I think we almost had as many people in the province of Ontario vote as we did in all of Canada for the federal election. I mean... Yeah, like we are not people that well, yeah it's unbelievable and we're just wasting like democracy that people fight for and this is it and we just can't be bothered i people say like oh i didn't have time today i had tennis oh okay yeah and you know? and and you know all the different party platforms and then you know like you said 102 or whatever it was candidates um you know i think i think that should have been vetted down and you know look if 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 you know you're only going to get like one percent of one percent of the vote to tell you what throw your weight behind a better candidate you know or, or or support somebody else but quite frankly i just i i think it gets so watered down and as as you'd mentioned so clear mandate well what clear mandate are we really speaking of because when we talk about housing first and foremost you know as you and i talk about all the time here on the show is that there is no quick solution to our housing issue. And, you know, you're not going to like dive in on the Bank of Canada shortly, but when we talk about supply and demand, there is absolutely no way, and I and I completely am adamant about this, the government will not solve this problem unless they turn around and bring in the private sector. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, we've seen what happens when we try to do it ourselves. Um, you know, I think first things first, I'd love to see if she goes in and sort of blows up the planning department because we can, you know, there are very clear impediments to getting housing built and a lot of them start at City Hall. So it would be interesting to see around all the messaging of we can get things built, let's get this going. I think she came out when um, Mayor-elect Chow came out on the first day and said, you know, now by right, you can have a, a fourplex and you can live in one and renovate, which yes, that sounds great, except I'm curious to know who's going to be able to afford to do that. I think right now there are a lot of people just struggling to carry the mortgage um, in terms of who's going to be financing, you know, turning these, house these houses into fourplexes. So even that right there just seemed like, ooh, okay. Like it didn't communicate to me that she's really clear on how urgent and the fact that people can't just do this themselves. Like this needs to be an all hands on deck thing. Yeah. And property taxes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we do have low property taxes, which is not me saying like, giddy up, let's go. Yeah. But I think percent? proportionate to other cities, I think Toronto, you know, but um, I don't know where we're getting this from. And, you know, the expression blood from a stone comes to mind. You know, I've heard a lot of people say, well, it's the it's the homeowners who are sitting on all this equity who are going to be, you know, so what? It's, you know, drop in the bucket for these people. It's really not, though. There is a huge swath of people in the middle who are just trying to carry their mortgages. 
Well, you know, and and Toronto has a secondary land transfer tax, right? Well, that's and it. and so let's let's talk about where this starts becoming more problematic. Mm-hmm. So you put in, you know, a new mayor, okay, and one of the narratives out there is that property taxes are going to go up significantly. I mean, yeah. it, it was part of her platform. You know, mm-hmm. it's not like she didn't she didn't come out and say, "Oh, don't worry, I'm just going to do a standard increase." She's like, "No, we need to tax, you know, houses harder." Okay, fair enough. As a buyer coming into Toronto, I'm already paying a double land transfer tax to buy in Toronto. Hmm. Now I want to buy into a place that I'm being threatened, that my property taxes are actually going to go up even more. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not saying that we're going to have a mass exodus, but what I'm saying is, is that there's going to be some people that are going to sit there and really question, is it logical to buy? And as we all know at City Hall, they really count on that land transfer tax. You know, like I remember... You know, talking to Mayor Tory at one point, and that's a big number that they get from that extra land transfer tax. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah. And I, the, the conversation that I often have when we're talking about this, when you're saying things like, you know, the adding a luxury home tax, taxing the garden and the DVP, all of those things. It's who are these cities for? At the end of the day, if the teachers and the nurses and the people who are central components, you know, I th- always think back to Sesame Street, like these are the people in the neighborhood. They're not living in Toronto anymore. Right. Like they're coming from Fort Perry. They're driving in. Like, what are we telling ourselves about who we're serving here? Because those taxes, well, yeah, it seems great. And we'll bring um, some sort of equity where people are going to be paying their fair share. But are we because people can't afford to live in the city or the people we we think make like a nice, you know, robust city? It's becoming very singular who gets to stay. And it's the people who can afford it. I'm sorry. I liked your analogy with the Sesame Street there. That's why I was laughing. It's almost like some of the city hall, I think, is more like a gong show. It is very much. <laughs> but, it, you know, when you think back to those ideas of, and this is the policeman, and that is the mailman, yep. and they do not live downtown. No, they can't. They can't afford it. And, you know, and, and, and here was a question, and I, I've asked a lot of people this question recently, and it's, what does affordable mean? Oh, well. I think we've talked about this, and I still, I, yeah. well, I still have the uh, realm of that. I, 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 thought, I thought I could t- send that away, you know, yeah. go, you know, Bryn, go do some homework and then come back and tell me, what do we deem affordable? Well, I just read that, you know, to get a home in Guelph, Ontario, the average, like, buyer in this current market, a couple needs to be making $260,000. That's Guelph. So what are we talking about in Toronto? Like, what is affordable? Well, I mean, it's certainly not the measure of once upon a time. Wasn't there like 15% of your after-tax income would go to shelter, and then there was savings, and there was retirement, and then there was, you know, a new station wagon every year. Um, I, I think we're now just, what can you carry and not wake up at 3 a.m. every night? Seems to be the new metric. Right. Well, I guess we're going to wait and see. You know, it's going to be interesting for sure on uh, on what's going to unfold with our, our new mayor here in Toronto, but um, you know what, Bryn, we're going to go to a quick break, but I want you to stay put. I've got Bryn Lackey in the hot seat right now. Always great to have her here on the show. If you're not following me on Instagram, make sure you do it. The Simple Investor One. Um, some exciting things. We've got a new referral program out there, by the way. If you have an investor you want to refer to us, you can just go to our website, the Simple Invest- uh, sorry, yeah, thesimpleinvestor.com. And click on uh, referral. And guess what? You can actually make a referral fee for referring us a new investor. Really exciting stuff. And we'll have more when we come back. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this.
And welcome back. If you're just tuning in, I've got Bryn Lackey here in studio with me. Um, you know what? You can catch Bryn's columns in the uh, Toronto side and always great read. Also, Bryn is a realtor with uh, Chestnut Park. And uh, Bryn, just before the break, you and I were battering around the political aspect of things, what's going on here in Toronto. But, um, you know, the next topic, of course, is... Bank of Canada, inflationary numbers, you know, we we can all be armchair economists, but, you know, a number that came out that I think we all have to recognize, you know, the Bank of Canada keeps saying we must drop inflation and guess what happened? Lo and behold, 3.4% this week. Yeah, I think there are a lot of people very excited to see that. But? <laughs> you know, I, th I think anybody... What what I've noticed, and it's it's I feel like a bit like a hamster on a wheel because I feel like we've had that same sort of cycle since this time last year, where you're just looking for some good news and then you think it's here, and then everyone sort of does a collective sigh of relief, and then you know you sort of whammo. Yeah, you look, you take your eye ball for a second, and boom. So I I was happy to see that. I'm encouraged to see that. I think more broadly, when I look at the impact that the last quarter point hike has had on the market. I think there are a lot of people who are very rattled, and I think that um, I, I'm now curious to know what it's going to take for people to feel, you know, a little more secure. And I think that we, we might be a, a bit of ways off from one, you know, pleasant feel, feeling secure. Events. Yeah, I mean, I think well, that 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 post might be quite a ways in the past, but um, I was happy to see that. But I'm not sure that you know. Mm -hmm. So, so here's the thing. So I know, uh, I'm pretty sure the head of Bank of Canada, Tip Macklin, tunes in here every single Sunday obviously. at noon, obviously. Who wouldn't want to hear me <laughs> when no economics training? Well, listen, this is the place to be, right? Mm -hmm. And so, uh, so Tiff, just throwing this out there, um, you know, you need to think long and hard on this new uh, rate decision that's going to be made here in July, right? Because, you know, you watch the U.S. Fed, they kind of decided to pause. And they, they said they're actually going to pause for a while because they need to see the overall effect. And, you know, I get it. You know, you want to play with the big boys. So, you know, you've been hiking rates just to kind of say, hey, I'm doing it with, I'm doing it with the bank, you know, Bank of England, you know, the U.S. Fed. But let's be real. Okay. Let's be Canadian for a second and think about this very, very thoughtfully. The fact that Canadians are very, very focused on real estate and owning their own home. Mm -hmm. And you are now jeopardizing the number one asset in the Canadian economy if you think that we can still take more pressure from a quarter point, a quarter point, a quarter point. What you need to do is pause and you need to not go forward again. You need to pause as long as you think it's necessary and let the, the again, the inflationary numbers continue to come down. Let this, you know, craziness that's happened over the last you know, 14 months, let it sink in. And that's my, that's my message to Tiff. Do you have one for him? I mean, maybe you can just give a shout out to him. Hello. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I agree with what you're saying at the same time, because I'm working with buyers and sellers and, you know, I, as these columns I write, they sort of come on they're, they're what I do at night, right? <laughs> so by day I'm actually out there. And what I will say is prior to this quarter point bump, when we were on conditional pause, yep. the market went crazy again. Well, I think I, I, we were seeing prices go back up to peak, you know, beyond. But especially, but, no, but not that many though. There was a few price price areas in a few neighborhoods. I agree. Like we we did a quick analysis on it. Yeah, but nowhere near what we had sustained the year before. 
in downtown where I was seeing we were having 14 offers. We were seeing bully offers. We were seeing yeah, but some at, of that at, behavior. At what volume? And you see, there, there's a the thing. There was, it, not nearly the same number of properties changed hands. But there also wasn't any inventory. Like, that was the interesting thing that I was witnessing is well, there also was an inventory a year ago. But you saw a huge reticence on the part of buyers, people sitting there going, you know, everyone was bracing for impact or running for cover, whatever. And then what I noticed is once it was on pause, um, I and whether it's TikTok realtors or people around the water cooler going, the worst is over, everything's fine if we don't buy now, you know. So we saw that go. And then you couple that with the fact that there are a lot of people, there have been no for sales, really, unless you were so super, super leveraged using private, private lenders. Sure. So you have all these people sort of sitting there in their houses thinking everything's great, price is not coming down, people thinking we're going to miss the boat, getting back in there. You know, I, I saw a lot of activity at, from having open houses on my own listings of people coming through. Sure. There were not people thinking, you know, when I'm having conversations all the time, like, okay, you know, this you're a first-time buyer. Or are you nervous? What are your what are your parents say? Are your parents helping you? Um, the the sort of consensus was, yeah, worst is now over. We just have to live with these rates. And that's that may be true. Yeah. Um, I just think that what is interesting is once people with this quarter point bump. People went, oh, wait, and then they stopped again. Yep. And so we're starting to see inventory get, you know, creep up. We're seeing in more than just a seasonal way because you don't, you know, you sort of see inventory creep up in summers, but we haven't in the last three. Yep. Um, so from a buyer sensibility standpoint, I think there was a shift. Um, and if the whole idea was Tiff Macklem saying, hey, guys, cool it. Don't make me, you know, don't make me be the adult in the room. That could be it. I also think that we know or we don't know, but I, ha I have heard from people who know, um, that it's sort of a lagging indicator that these each hike, it can take 18 months to work its way through the economy. So we're still just now, only just now, seeing the first round of, of rate hikes. Sure. So there's just a lot of runway in front of us. And I think, you know, I, I saw a lot of people making some sort of puzzling decisions, but I would very much like there not to be more, more rate hikes just because I know how much it's actually hurting people. Yeah. You know, my take on it is this as well, though. We added a million people into Canada in the last year. Okay. We're over 40 million people. You got the GTA, you've got pent up demand. You've got, you know, people that are coming in, immigrating to Canada. That makes them allowed to be able to buy because they're going to they're gonna live here. Right. You know, they're becoming Canadian citizens. And I think part of a part of what we saw as far as people buying was because people have been sitting on the fence for the last oh, yeah. months because it is just gone in the toilet. Right. So, so my, my opinion is, is that I don't think people just threw the caution of the wind like they did in 2021 when no, interest no. rates were like Great. garbage, right? Like, like when, 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 when you have free money, everybody came to the plate. Everyone was an expert. Yeah. Exactly. But I think, I think what we saw was when we hit that pause for a couple of months, I think people said, okay, well, we got to come off the fence because we got to buy something. Right. hundred percent. Yeah. And, and I think that you're right. I think now quarter point checks everybody up again, but I think, I just don't think there's so much powder left in the keg. I just don't think there's that many buyers that we could run away on market again. No, I agree with that. You know, I think, I think that's one of the things that we have to assess. Quick note, you were, you were talking about amortization in one of your articles. Um, so, you know, again, another, you know, lever that I think is necessary for some people that have got themselves in a higher debt. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I when this all sort of started, we talked a lot about we talk it, uh, huge discussions around um, how rate sensitive Canadians are, because by and large, our mortgage terms are five years. There are people carrying variable rate mortgages, like a huge percentage of people carry 
um, variable rate mortgages, you know, not with static payments, with with moving payments. And then you also have lines of credit and you have all those things. So unlike the U.S. where people who, you know, went house shopping during the pandemic and they have 30-year mortgages at, you know, 1.9 or even 2.5, you know, they're not going anywhere, but that market's just stopped. The idea was that in Canada, yeah, it was going to hurt, but it would be over quickly because people at some point, they're going to have to reconcile their financial realities with these new rates. And given all of the all of the um, variable rates, what that's done, people keeping their static, their payment static, is it's turned these amortization periods. You have people with 80-year amortizations, right? So those people are sitting here, and I heard this hilarious expression. It was called, you know, um, oh, d- a pray and delay or, well, you know, whatever. it, You know, so you're sitting there, and their payment hasn't changed. The reality of it hasn't changed. And upon renewal, that's when it, they're going to suddenly have to, because you have to get square again at renewal. You have to go back to your original term. Yeah. And Will the government step in and pressure Aussie um, to do something about that? I would bet yes. Mm-hmm. You know, Christian Freeland in the budget flat out said, you know, we're going to try to help homeowners yep. navigate these times. So if that's the deal, and we're essentially now making it so that people can just sign up for lifetime mortgages to keep payments there, we're never going to have the people having to sell their houses or offload their investment properties or offload their Airbnbs to deal with this new reality and therein sort of allow inflation to get under control. Um, It's almost worse than if we were in a a, a separate sort of dynamic where we're just sort of kicking the can down the road. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll have to wait and see because there's I I, I think that's going to be a a lot of our narrative for sure. Um, You know, I'm excited about having you come in at the end of the month to be uh, one of the panelists on the Real Estate Talk Triangle. That's Mm going to be awesome. Awesome. I'm so excited about that. And yeah, there we go. And um, so, Bryn, thanks for joining me today. Uh, Great having you on. And folks, when I come back, I've got Leslie Berlick joining me for the first segment ever of featuring a professional agent. And uh, we'll be back right after this. And welcome back. As I mentioned, just before the break, um, the new section of our show, and I'm really excited about having my first guest join me today. You know, um, I threw it out there into the airwaves and I said to everybody, hey, listen, if you're following me on Instagram, the Simple Investor one if you DM me and you are a professional agent, you know what? I'd love to interview you here in studio um, at the uh, headquarters for the Simple Podcast. And so, um, so my first guest, she was energetic. She wanted to tell me that, you know, loves listening to the show, definitely a professional, uh, agent. So I do want to introduce, um, Leslie Burleck and Leslie is a, uh, agent with free, uh, Remax Hallmark. And she's been in the industry for over 20 years. Um, one of the top 1% of all GTA agents. Uh, if we quickly do the math, um, you know, that means she's kind of in the top 100s of all agents in Toronto, which is an amazing feat. And on top of that, she really does focus on her clients, her education of the clients, making sure that she's taking care of their needs. You know, all the things, as you all know, I am adamant about um, people being realtors. Full-time, 100%. You know, investing in your business, 100%. And without further ado, I'm going to introduce Leslie. Leslie, welcome, welcome to the show. Oh, hi, Todd. Thank you so much. And thank you for inviting me. I feel so honored. Um, as I'd mentioned to you, I think I am actually in super, uh, super fan um, status. I listen to your show 100% every week. Sometimes I listen to it two or three times, depending on 
uh, with the content. And again, thank you so much for for inviting me. I'm honored, truly. Thank you. Actually, you know, honor's mine. Um, you know, you've got a you've got a great history in real estate. I think it's really important. We're going to talk about that today. You know, I'm going to have you talk a little bit about your your area of focus. You know, what you do. You're going to give us a little bit of history on yourself. You can tell us a little bit about the experiences you've had. You know, yourself being not just a homeowner, maybe investing in real estate. You know, there's so much for us to talk about. And, you know, the one thing, again, looking at your resume, I'm really happy about is the fact of how serious you take this business. And, you know, now in today, 2023, I think we need more professional agents like yourself. So, uh, Leslie, tell our listeners a little bit about how you began and let's take it from there. Okay. So um, I'll just try to make this as short and sweet as possible. So uh, right out of um, high school, I went to college and I became a law clerk. And I did that for a very short period of time because I realized it was actually very boring and I just, I couldn't take it. It was just, uh, it was not for me, but I learned some some good skills. I learned, you know, organization and legal legal matters and things like that. And so then I decided um, I had to brush up on my interpersonal skills. So I decided to go into hospitality and I decided that I would go and find the top best um, hotel in the city, which at that time was the Four Seasons and I believe it still is in Yorkville. And I was there for a number of years in uh, various departments, various positions. And there the training was second to none. We were the employees, we were scrutinized. Everything that we did was watched very carefully. And this is where I really, truly learned customer service and how to serve clients. And I took that into real estate. And so in 2003, I decided it was finally time to go into real estate. I'd been obsessed with it for a number of years. I had already purchased two properties at that time. And the first 10 years, I was with Royal LePage in the Kingsway, which was a wonderful company. But then again, I went and I was seeking the best real estate brokerage in the city, which I believe is Remax Hallmark. Their training is second to none. The management is so, um, uh, what's the word? I just lost it. Energetic? <laughs> energetic and supportive. And they're just amazing. I can't, I can't say good enough about that company. Yeah. Excellent. So let's, uh, let's talk about a little bit of, um, what's happened over the last 20 years. Then, you know, you come in in 2003 and you know, there was, uh, you know, uh, interest rates weren't uh, like, they weren't super attractive, but attractive enough. People were coming into the business, you know, again, probably half the number of agents that there is today, you know, um, talk about, talk about your start in real estate and what you focused on. Uh, so initially in 2003, uh, my first year, it actually came to me quite easily because I did have a lot of connections, um, even with the people at the hotel. So I got my first listing within the first couple of weeks and, um, and then I just sort of built it on there, but I built it more through like open houses, door knocking, um, even some cold calling. I did whatever I had to, uh, in order to, uh, build up my base of clients and, uh, just to get myself out there and, and just get on the floor and get on the ground running. Yeah. You know, I, I, it's funny. You, you probably see, I mean, we're, we're sitting across from each other. You'll see me smiling when you start talking about door knocking and phone calling and uh for those of you new agents out there it's not all about tiktok videos because you know you actually had to get yourself out there physically 100 things 100 percent. yeah still to this day i i door knock i because i love it i enjoy it because i get to meet potential clients and plus i get to 
go up and personal to the homes and actually see the homes face-to-face instead of just online scrolling through listings. I think it's really important to to be physical and present. Yeah. You know, and that that's that's the thing. And and when you and I, um, you know, had a, a conversation, you know, before we came on air here, um, one of the big things, again, for me is talking about professional agents doing it full time. And for those people that have, you know, just a, a day job and then they throw real estate out there, they're not doing that. They're not pounding the pavement. They're not getting to know the neighborhoods and the inventory out there. 100%. So when when you kind of fast forward, so we've gone with a couple of, you know, years of, you know, establishing a marketplace. Tell us, what area do you focus on today? Uh, Etobicoke. So I was born and raised in Etobicoke. And um, that's really where I try to put most of my energies and focus on. I mean, of course, I have business elsewhere, and I'm happy to do business really anywhere. I'm very familiar with GTA. But my prime focus is definitely Etobicoke. Right. And is there a certain price point or uh, style? Are you more of a listing agent or do you prefer to work with buyers? Uh, you know what? I like both. Uh, both has its own um, really positive points and challenges as well. Um, right now, it's a little bit challenging being a listing agent because um, properties just, they don't seem to be moving uh, as much. So it's, it's nicer to be on the buying end. But however, having said that, I do enjoy both. Right. Now, when we talk about, um, we talk about the market for a minute and, you know, obviously uh, COVID, okay. Let's talk about your reaction to COVID and, and then we can fast forward. So here you are 2020, 2021, you know, two totally different markets. How did you manage through COVID? Uh, I actually, at first, I was, I think, on a personal level, I was frightened, as everybody was at that time. And then I just sort of said, okay, this is our new reality. And I just threw on the mask, hand sanitizer, tried to do as much as I could online to minimize um, contact with people. So Zoom calls, um, FaceTime, and just keeping in touch with people that way. And in a way, that actually almost worked, I think, to all of our advantages. Because, as we know, time is precious. And this is actually a bit of a time saver being able to do it this way. It's a lot more effective. And um, yeah, I think it, it worked well. Yeah, excellent. Um, so uh, we're going to go to a quick break, but we're going to uh, we're going to come back in a minute. So folks, um, this part of my show, and we're going to do it every single month, is I'm going to feature a professional agent. Um, and of course, the only way you can get your name into the hat is if you follow me on Instagram, the, and it's the Simple Investor One, you got to DM us, and then I'm going to have you come into the studio, and I'm going to interview you. And so Leslie Berlick, uh, she is an Etobicoke realtor from Remax Hallmark, is in the studio with me right now. And great to have a you know a fabulous start with a professional. So if you feel like you're a professional, and you know you hear me talk about this all the time, right? You hear me say. If you're not doing this full time, I don't always agree that you should be in the business. And I know I'm annoying a few people, but if I turn around and I said, uh, and I throw this out there and I do this all the time, um, do you consider yourself a professional? Do you do this full time? Then it's okay for you to be in the business. Now, if you turn around and you feel I just insulted you, then guess what? You shouldn't be in the business. And that's just how I look at it. And I know, again, it's not everybody's cup of tea, but you know, when we're talking about the greatest purchase for a family, for a person is going to be, let's say their primary residence, you better make sure you know what you're doing. 
and doing this, you know, a couple hours a week isn't going to cut it. And so for those of you out there that take this, you know, seriously, do it full time. You know what? Like I said, follow me on Instagram, The Simple Investor One. Love to have you come into the studio once a month. We're going to be featuring an agent just like Leslie and uh, looking forward to having more people, you know, come on and join us on the air. So when we come back, I'm going to have more with Leslie. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. If you're just tuning in, um, I have my special segment that I am doing every single month. That's right. Featuring a professional agent out of the GTA area. Our first agent joining us. We've got Leslie Burlack. She's an Etobicoke realtor from Remax Hallmark. And just before the break, uh, Leslie, you and I were talking about, you know, some of the obstacles that you were going through um, with COVID. And, you know, it was interesting because, you know, DocuSign came, you know, fast and furious, lots of people using, you know, all sorts of social media. And then all of a sudden, it, the floodgates opened. Okay, let's talk about this, you know, the year 2021 in real estate. Um, everybody was a realtor. Um, everybody had multiple offers. Uh, everything went over asking. I mean, it was, in my opinion... And, and not everybody's going to agree with it. It was the worst transactional style of real estate you could possibly have. Okay. Um, fast and furious people making decisions that probably they shouldn't do to pressure thinking that they're losing out in the end. I think there was a lot of errors made, but yet it was the biggest number of transactions we've ever seen. Yeah. Agreed. Um, I mean, I think, wasn't it sort of, didn't it double sort of almost the, the top yeah, yeah, we were over 123,000 transactions in the GTA in one year. That, I mean, normally what, it's about 80, 90? Yeah, 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 good. Last year, um, 76,000, so we, like we really did drop off. But, you know, 100,000 is, is considered a big year, you know, to, to knock it out by 20, 30% more than the average year. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think a lot of people did um, really, uh, to your point, Todd, there were a lot of agents that really didn't have experience and perhaps they probably shouldn't have been trading because I think that they did push their clients into um, making purchases above and beyond what they probably would have simply because I don't think that they had the skill set to be able to um, take a look at the numbers, take a look at the solds and to be able to come up with correct pricing. Yeah. Now, you know, here's, here's one of the, the big, you know, confusing parts of our industry is multiple offers. And so, did you face multiple offers on both sides of the coin? So in, in other words, like you were a listing agent, did you get multiple offers? Yes. And then did you also go and compete as a buyer agent? Yes. <laughs> so so tell me a little bit about that, okay? Because, you know, this this is one of the things I'd rather I'd rather you be able to tell because you are you are a on the ground mm -hmm. realtor dealing with this stuff day to day. You know, a lot of times I know that listing agents they go, Oh, great, we're gonna have multiple offers. They're hard to juggle at times. They can be very difficult to juggle. Um, my style has always been that I like to price around where I think the price should be. So then instead of getting 20 or 30 offers, 20 of them, which are silly, or even more, which are silly, which are people hoping that they're going to get the property at a lower price or just kind of throwing their hat in or, and again, the agents who don't have the experience and just, they're just putting it in because they can. Yeah. Um, and so I find pricing around, even at that time and even still to this day, pricing around where the market value should be really cuts out a lot of that sort of pointless um, pointless activity. And it's also, you don't want everyone coming through your home. Even, even now post-COVID, I mean, I think people are a little bit more uh, conscientious about 
not necessarily having to go and see every house that they're interested in. So if they have false expectations, they may end up looking at properties that they shouldn't be. Yeah. You know, you, and I'm glad you brought that up. It's sort of like, you know, you have out of 30 offers, 20 are tire kickers. Um, you'd much rather just deal with the 10 that are serious. Exactly. That are actually looking in that marketplace qualify. Yes. Okay. And so do you think there was this feeling of desperation though? Because- 100%. You know, and and, and I, not to put too fine a point on it, but we, you know, we do have agents out there that aren't driven as much for their client as they are for themselves. 100%. I agree with that. Yeah. So, you know, this is this is one of the things that we have to be concerned of. So let's 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 flip your hat for a second, okay? Now I want you to put on your buyer agent hat, okay? You 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 come up to a listing, you know, you've told your clients about it, you show it to them, they get excited, okay? As most buyers do, they get excited about a listing, and they want to put an offer in, and you find out from the listing agent there's thirty offers. Well, so of course, the first thing I would do is I would let them know everything that I've been told by the listing agent. And I would do a comparative market analysis to show them everything that's been selling in the area and discuss all the pros and cons of each of the properties and where we think the property should land price-wise. And so then it's up to them. So how badly do they want the property? Right. And so if they are going to overpay for it, in my opinion, I will let them know, okay, this price Yes, you're probably overpaying, but if you want it and you're aware of what, what you're doing, then that's, then that's fine. And if not, then we wait for the next one. Yeah. You know, it, it was a real tough position because there was a lot of people out there, again, not able to advise their buyers. Okay. Yes. Because they, they basically didn't do enough due diligence. They, they went off the, okay, well, if one property sold 600, you know, thousand over asking, then this one should be at least that. And, and, you know, back Back when 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 I was focused more into the into the business, I always was really focused on knowing every single possible sale in the geographical area, and then draw a comparison. And you know, you, you basically take a checklist and say, okay, plus negative, plus negative, plus negative. Okay, value. You know, and even in the urgency, um, there's a lot of people right now. I think that with mortgage change, the interest increase. I think there's some people struggling with saying, boy, you know what? We made a mistake. We were paid. Um, yes, this is tough. This is a really tough thing. I mean, I think also at that time, uh, during COVID, the government sort of made a mistake with putting in those really low interest rates. Um, I think that was a dangerous, unsustainable thing. And um, a lot of people were counting on that for years to come. And we were promised by the government that if the interest rates were going to go up, it was going to be incrementally and over a long period of time. And we were being encouraged to spend and we all overspend. And so it's, it's a very, we're in a very bad position right now. And, and I'm sorry, but I, we were set up. <laughs> you know, I'm, I, I'm glad you brought this up because, you know, as most people know, I get a little bit, uh, a little bit um, stuck on this one. Uh, Bank of Canada, you know, this week, um, as we heard, inflation's going down. So this is the May report. In the next uh, week and a half, we're going to get the um, we're going to get the June report. But the May report dropped it three point four uh, as far as our inflationary number. And you know, the Bank of Canada said, as long as we see us attacking inflation, then we shouldn't move the needle and put more pressure like they did last month and put a quarter point up. You know, they've, they've indicated that maybe in July they're going to do it. 
the U.S. Fed has frozen it for now. Um, I think we're in a conundrum. I, you know, I don't know. Normally, we have a little bit of an idea where everything's going. I think right now, as far as the interest rate environment, I think the Bank of Canada just has to back off and just leave everybody alone for the next six to 12 months. Inflation will go down after all the measures they put in place. You as a realtor, you know, you have to kind of gauge the market all the time. Are you looking at these interest rates as, you know, as you know, threatening as they can be, um, you know, despite the fact that historically they're still fairly low? Well, I, that's actually exactly what I was going to say. So right now, I think it's a really good opportunity to be purchasing real estate if, if you're in the financial position to do so. And the reason is, is that right now, um, sales are slow because people think that interest rates are really high. So, and I, there, there are a couple of things going on here. So first of all, like I had mentioned before, those interest rates that we had below, they were, before they were unsustainable. Those weren't real. Um, when I was purchasing my first home, I had a first mortgage at 9% and a second mortgage at 13%, which was actually a private mortgage because I was so young at the time that banks didn't want to touch us. So we had to go financial institution for the first mortgage, private lender for second mortgage. And like I said, 9 and 13%. Now I've been told by other people that interest rates were 18 and 19%. And then I've heard, now this almost sounds like unreal, but 21 and 24%. Yep, they were. So 5 and 6% now seems pretty low. Yeah. So I think you have two options. You can either buy low, purchase at a reasonable, well, whatever reasonable is, yep. and pay a higher interest rate, which isn't so high, or wait for the interest rates to go low and then pay really top dollar for your home. This is my opinion. Yeah. Well, I guess we're gonna we're gonna wait and see. You know how how everything starts to unwind uh, over the next few months with the Bank of Canada. But um, Leslie, if our listeners want to reach out to you and be able to get in touch with you, yes. you know, potentially bring you on as their agent, how do they do that? Uh, well, you can call me directly or um, email me. Um, should I give my e- email is probably the best. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So info at my first and last name dot ca. Okay. Do you want to give that spell that out for them? <laughs> sure. <laughs> okay. So info at um, L E S L I E B, like boy R L E C dot ca. Perfect. Well, listen, Leslie, it's been a real pleasure having you on the show today. Thank you so much for coming into the studio. Thank you. Thank you so much. And that's a wrap for this week. I can't believe how quickly an hour goes by. Um, definitely, I want to thank my two guests in studio with me today, Bryn Lackey. Uh, you can look forward to having her join me a little bit later on in the month at the Real Estate Talk Triangle. Bryn is with Chestnut Park. And I also want to thank my uh, my first interview for our featured uh, professional agent of the month with Leslie Brillick. Great to have her join me as well. Um, appreciate her calling herself a super fan. You know what? I'm now going to become a fan of hers. Again, nice to deal with a professional realtor. Um, I do want to thank my producers, uh, you know, keeping it uh, simple for me every single week. Hey, Aiden and Omar, thanks again. And uh, Ian Grant there at head office. But most importantly, I want to thank you for tuning in and making us the number one real estate talk show. And of course, I'll be back next Sunday as usual. I'm your host, Todd C. Slater. You've been listening to Simply Real Estate right here on News Talk 1010.